And welcome to Viewpoints this week, listeners, with What's Making News and Russell Hanby. We've got a great uh, program ahead of you, and we starting with Russell. How are you, Russ, today? Thanks, Henry. Very good. Yes, we had a bit of... A a bit of rain early in the week, but it's been quite good uh, towards the weekend as we approach, isn't it? Yeah, look, it's been an amazing January and February. Uh, I, I can't recall one where we've had um, nearly a third of the year's Melbourne rainfall in less than in two months. That's right, and I believe it's a below average temperature for February too, so we're all over the place, aren't we? Mm, is climate change turning? <laughs> <laughs> well, it could be changing. It doesn't have to heat up all the time, I suppose, does it? No, but, uh, no we're not questioning that climate change is real, but it is nice in Melbourne to have, um, and I think parts of West and South Gippsland have been very fortunate to have had so much rain. It looks more like springtime than it does um, late summertime. Now, did you have any home? Work. I, I can't recall. Uh, not particularly, no. Uh, no? But I, but I did, uh, we did talk about that Hong Kong uh, heist of the toilet roll. Oh, the that's year. right. Yes, and, and we didn't know what the, happened to the perpetrators. No, well, I can, uh, I've got an update on that now. <laughs> okay. Uh, well, two masked thieves in Hong Kong were arrested on Monday after holding a delivery man at uh, knife point and stealing hundreds of rolls of toilet paper as panic over a lack of supplies grows in the world financial hub currently fending off the widespread outbreak of the coronavirus on the Chinese mainland. A group of three men wearing masks uh, took the robbery, mm-hmm. and two of the men were later arrested, police said. And oh. Hong Kong authorities said they'd also recovered the stolen toilet paper. So police are still searching for a third man involved. So they got two of them anyway, and uh, plus the toilet paper back. Well, so that's a happy happy ending for the people who own the toilet paper. They won't be short of toilet paper in the coming weeks. And uh, bad luck for the the criminals, I guess. Who uh, It's a funny thing to steal paper, isn't it? Toilet paper. Yeah, maybe they thought there'd be a scarcity with the virus business and uh, could make a bit on the side out of it, you know. Well, on the backside. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, well, well done. That's cool. That, that, that prevents you from getting homework uh, now. That's called preemptively completing homework. Now, now you're a maths teacher. I've been a teacher and a principal. I, I can't – you're the first student that I ever can recall doing homework when they didn't actually have homework. Oh. <laughs> and then, you know, presenting um, – Homework preemptively. Well, yes. Yeah, so, no, I didn't have any either from memory. In my day, we did that often, no. No, I can't remember ever preemptively doing homework myself <laughs> either. In fact, in no. fact, the worst story I've got um, is one day at Warrigal High School, Russell. Um, it was year 12, and I, and I wasn't bad at English, but I never could be bothered doing the homework. And uh, I sat next to a boy called Ben, Ben Tolan, and he wasn't really that good at English, but he was my mate. Uh, for other reasons, and we're sitting there, Mr McGrath, our, our English Year 12 teacher, asked me to read out my homework, uh, which was a pricey. Well, I didn't have it, so I just read Ben Tolan's out. And Mr McGrath, was a, he was onto us. He, I can still see him. He walked down the aisle to me, and then he stood next to me, and he said, oh, Ben, read yours out, which <laughs> he got about two sentences out. And I can remember burying my head in my hands thinking, ah... Uh, uh, I better fess up, and I, I, I looked up to Mr. McGrath and said, uh, uh, I, I read Mr. Ben Tolan's at it, and he was he acted incredulous and disappointed and angry and upset and all, all the other things. things. And, yeah, and, yeah. and lo and behold, Russell, you know what he did? You know what my punishment was? 
No way. Well, Mr. McGrath was one of the, from old school, and he took great pride in having students who did very well at everything. So his punishment to me was that if I wasn't going to be bothered doing homework, he would uh, not bother correcting it. So I was banned from doing homework till the middle of the year, which suited me just down to the ground. And uh, <laughs> I used to watch all my mates do it. Anyway, he had a rule whereby at the mid-year exams, anybody who failed um, had to do extra English lessons on a Friday afternoon because Warrigal High School enjoyed a good reputation and it was clearly directed at, well, the students who were struggling, but also me because he used to occasionally say, did you do the homework? And I said, no, don't have to. Which yeah. you, Anyway, the bottom line was I did very well in the mid-year exams and I thought I wouldn't have to do homework for the rest of the year. But Mr McGrath pulled me aside and he said, clearly you've been doing the homework in your own time, uh, Henry, haven't you? And I mumbled something which didn't resemble yes. And he said, so I'll reinstate you for the second half of the year. And he, and, um, he said, have you got any problems with that that I can raise with your parents when they come up to the parent-teacher interviews? I hadn't told my parents I'd been banned from homework. So I, was say, I didn't, I didn't have any problems, even though I... <laughs> I didn't want so to what, do it. What did you say when your parents said, have you got any homework tonight or have you done your homework? Did you say, don't have any or something all the time? Well, I had other subjects, physics and chem, oh, and I yeah. had plenty of that which I was doing the minimum of anyway. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. My parents wouldn't have cared that I got good marks if I was absconding or banned from homework. Uh, they would have taken that very seriously. <laughs> so I kept my mouth shut, did my homework and passed VCE or matriculation in those days, English. So, no, look, Russell, uh, 10 points out of 10 for you and no homework today. But on that now we better get on to some some current news, which is uh, uh, the news of the week. And Australia activates pandemic response. Russell, this appeared in the Age. The Australian government has activated its emergency response plan to an impending coronavirus pandemic, which is. If it's not yet, it will be shortly, foreshadowing fever clinics, fast-track vaccines and severe pressure on hospitals, blood banks, medical supplies and, of course, sadly, mortuaries. Yes, uh, that's uh, a blue, the COVID-19 mm. uh, plan, as they call it. COVID-19 is the, the name of the virus, technically. Uh, that The blueprint outlines Australia's whole of government strategy in the event of a large-scale coronavirus outbreak. And they've sort of divided into three levels of severity, I suppose. Uh, there's low severity. They're going to just treat like the 2009 H1N1 pandemic. Uh, I remember when that was on. My parents were in a nursing home and we had a huge notice on the door when that was around. Yep. Or a bad flu season. That's the low severity. Then there's the moderate outbreak. Uh, that's going to put hospitals under severe pressure and they'll probably uh, cancel uh, elective surgeries and non-urgent procedures. They'll be scaled back. And then, of course, there's the high severity outbreak they're comparing that with, say, the 1918 Spanish flu. Now, that infected a third of Australia's population and globally killed more than 50 million people. In that case, GPs, pharmacies, nurses, aged care facilities, blood banks, hospitals and mortuaries, they'd all be under great pressure. So, yeah. uh, uh, of course, and, we, we, we need to be careful when we compare it with the Spanish flu of 1918 because that predominantly affected healthy young people and the, the mortality rate was, was dreadfully high. This one's, at the moment, predominantly uh, afflicting men over 60 and um, the people with pre-existing health conditions are the ones at most risk of dying. And the mortality rate is currently, what, between 1% and 2 or 3%. So we, it's not an exact replica, but in terms of how we respond to it, yeah, the pressure would be enormous on the uh, health services, wouldn't it? Yes, it would. And uh, 
currently Australia has no great risk into the country yet, uh, but there is a need to um, minimise transmission and prepare the healthcare systems for potential outbreaks, which no doubt's happening anyway. Mm. But uh, it's uh, we talked about it last week, and each week it's uh, not getting any better. No, it's moment. actually by the day. I mean, every every news bulletin you're hearing that more and more people um, are catching it. I mean, now we're hearing that. Uh, in Italy, it's in Austria. Italy, it's uh, Spain. It's gone to the uh, Tenerife, uh, Canary Islands, and uh, it's expanding everywhere. It's uh, we haven't seen the full thrust of it yet by a long shot, Russell. And uh, of course, it takes about twelve months to get a vaccine. It does too. And even though our you read about the breakthrough from the Brisbane uh, scientists, the researchers are well on the way. They think to getting a vaccine, but it'll still take months to get going with people. Mm, so that's going to be a story that keeps on going. Um, clean energy. What's happening in that field, Russell? Yes. Well, uh, clean energy powers ahead. Uh, investment in wind and solar power is set to continue beyond the era of government incentives, the clean energy regulator has predicted, saying a second wave can be unlocked if the electricity grid is upgraded quickly. And we talk about often the renewables uh, energies in this little segment, don't we, quite a lot? We do, but, we do. But uh, actually, yes, uh, right. We've actually jumped to number four, I see, in doing that, but... Uh, <laughs> The clean energy powers ahead. The renewable. You did energy. very well, Russell. Yeah, <laughs> you started off. You changed track. I thought I was just saying here to Robert um, that um, Russell's on number four here, and uh, well, that I was my, my did fault. You, say, you mentioned clean energy, didn't you? I think <laughs> yeah, you're I did. <laughs> I did. I did. I bamboozled you. I thought I thought you'd start reading out the one that uh, the other one, um, <laughs> but you didn't. So you've gone straight to the skills. We've we've bumbled along. I think we're a bit like the Pink Panther. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. So, uh, what's happening with clean energy? Well, this is a comedy re- show today, Russell. The renewable energy target requires <laughs> uh, generators and retailers to ensure 33,000 gigawatt hours of Australia's electricity that they've got to ensure that it comes from renewable by 2020. In uh, that's not far away. In fact, it's now, isn't it? In yes. 2019, investment in renewables jumped 24 percent. That added an extra 6,300 megawatts, and they expect another 6,500 megawatts to be built this year. So the quarterly carbon market report mm. showed 25% of electricity last year came from renewables, and that's predicted to grow to 34% by 2023. So apparently it's gradually uh, happening. But the poor grid capacity, meaning transmission infrastructure, etc., that caused nearly a dozen solar farms in far western Victoria and New South Wales to have their output cut or their start dates delayed. So it's not so much they've got the capacity, it's just that the transmission uh, wasn't up to it. No, there's something like that. And our, and our organisation wasn't up to it either. You... <laughs> Uh, our listeners must wonder what goes on in radio studios, Russell. We'll take a short break and we'll get our act uh, right and we'll now move to the correct order after the break. Don't go away, listeners.
Welcome back to Viewpoints, listeners. I'm your host, Henry Grossick. I'm in the middle of the discussion on what's making news this week with Russell Handy and poor Russell. He's <laughs> in the break. We were talking about what happened there and Russell seemed like he was on the right track for a while. He thought Then he realised he thought he was reading out the wrong thing, but I swapped the notes on him. I shouldn't do that. We're now back on track, listeners. Schools target hate crimes. This is in the Herald Sun. Holocaust lessons the key. All Victorian high schools will be required to educate students about the Holocaust in a bid to stamp out a concerning rise in anti-Semitism. Yes, uh, Education Minister James Molino says that effective teaching of the Holocaust will uh, help ensure students understand the importance of standing up to racist attitudes and Mm. behaviour whenever they see it. And in fact, from today, all years 9 and 10 students at public schools should be educated about targeted Nazi persecution from 1941 to 1945, and there'll be new teaching resources to be developed by the Victorian Curriculum and Assessment Authority and the Jewish community organisations. Mm. So that uh, so that sort of came today. I didn't know anything about that until uh, today. No, that's brand new. Um, and, and, and it comes in the wake, Russell, of more than 100 anti-Semitic incidents recorded in Victoria last year, with about a third being cases of abuse. Uh, an Executive Council of Australian Jury report found. And uh, yes... Um, uh, with my background, Polish, German, manic background, my father's Polish, my mother's German, um, I'm well aware of uh, of the history of that, and it's not something we want to see repeated. Russell, uh, the rise of anti-Semitism or, or 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 any vilification of anybody, any group uh, of in society, and uh, that. Uh, that's a, a good initiative that I think the state government's bringing into our schools because um, people need to know and they need not to forget, don't they? That's right. As the, as the Jewish Community Council of Australia President Jennifer Huffett said, uh, ignorance can lead to discrimination and vilification. So by making people aware of what, exactly what happened, hopefully uh, it'll cut out the anti-Semitism or largely will. Mm, and, and, it, and it needs to. Uh, now, this was number two. Russell, it's now number four. You should be all over this one. <laughs> yes, I've got the order now. <laughs> and it's uh, schools crisis builds. Uh, plummeting numbers of apprenticeships and trainees have led to a national skill shortage that is hitting homeowners and businesses hard. In fact, the number of apprenticeships and traineeships have dropped as much as 50% in some capital cities over the past seven years, while graduates have qualifications that businesses say are useless. In Victoria, in fact, the numbers dipped nearly 35%. Melbourne, more than 40%. And other states and capitals, about a 50% drop. Mm. So it's a pretty uh, not a very good story, that one, is it? No, it's not, Russell. And industry insiders say opening up the vocational education sector to private providers has damaged TAFE badly, uh, indicating that private suppliers, in their opinion, cherry-pick the low-maintenance, high-fee-paying business-focused courses and leave the expensive machine-driven trade courses like construction to TAFE. And uh, so... uh, uh, we're all going to pay a price because you need qualified tradies. I mean, robots haven't taken over the world yet, have they? No. And as the Australian Education Union Federal President, Karina Haythorpe, said, the number of tapes have actually been slashed from 57 in 2014 to 35 in 2018. So those institutions have been cut back too. And there are definite housing industry shortages in things like bricklayers, carpenters and ceramic tilers. So... Uh, 
So we've heard about these uh, private companies. I think we might have talked about it last year that they set up these courses and to yes. take a lot of money, but they're not uh, very good at uh, giving sensible qualifications for what we gather. Mm, and um, there's a lot of reasons for why that's happened. I think, uh, on the one hand, in recent years, um, uh, as the opposition spokeswoman Tanya Plibersek said in her words, the last seven years the Liberals have ripped billions from TAFE and training, and this is the result. And then, of course, on the other hand, the privatising of um, of many of these vocational courses. There was a lot of money there, and uh, uh, perhaps not sufficient oversight in the first place which led to some of that situation so that's a perfect storm but the bottom line is we're all going to pay a price we are indeed and and uh, it doesn't seem to be a way of getting a fix really quickly yet well uh, no you can't become a, a qualified tradie in five minutes those people learn that trade over several years and uh, so we're going to have a delay in getting that and i'd say costs will go up and probably at the same time quality will go down Yes, unfortunately, that looks how it's going to be. Now, the odd spot, this is one that'll interest you, Russell. You haven't come across this one before, have you? No, I have not. <laughs> President Donald Trump's inability to pronounce the names of cricketers, Sushin Tendulkar, remember he pronounced it something like that, or yes. Sushin, and Virat Kohli, wasn't the only insight to come out of his trip there to India. It turns out Google Trends, which analyses what people search for online, has found that during their leader's state visit, there was a marked increase across the U.S. in people searching for the term "Where is India?" or, more puzzlingly, "What is India?" So, so well, that, uh, that, that's actually a worry, isn't it? It is, isn't it? I mean, a, the, <laughs> that's basic geography. It is, and, basic it, geography. It, and apparently, though, the, the numbers must be enough to make them see a trend doing it. It's not just the odd. One person or two, isn't it? So, well, well, exactly. I mean, some of that stuff you sort of think you, you, you wouldn't believe it was true. No. Do you think Google's trying what, to make cause a sensation and draw attention to themselves, or do you think it's yeah. a fact? I don't, well, with these odd spots, you never can tell, you know. They do go viral. That's why, hey, Russell, that's why I get you to read them out. Yeah. <laughs> <And> you <laughs> you have gravitas, Russell. You and, have and gravitas. Is, People will believe you. Money. If I read them out, they think, oh, yeah, Henry's making this up. But uh, <laughs> I know that you'd get me to do any name, foreign con, uh, foreign uh, names too, you know, that are hard to pronounce. I get them too, don't I? Oh, Russell, it's, uh, your linguistic skills leave me in awe. That's why I give it to you. It's not me trying to sneak out of anything. I just hold you in such high regard. Yeah, <laughs> I, mean, right. I, I think you're more capable. I mean, in a worst-case scenario, and I'm not sure we get there too often, I think, Russell, in a worst-case scenario, you're more likely to carry off a story that's uh, questionable than me. Oh, absolutely. I couldn't keep a straight face. <laughs> they don't call you poker face hand me down at the station for nothing. Oh, right, don't they? Did no, you play oh, poker much when you were a young bloke? No, not really, no. You missed out, you should have. Yeah, got... <laughs> got the right uh, way of doing right, right facial manner, have I? Yeah. Well, your middle initial is D, isn't it? <laughs> it was, wasn't it? Yeah. Deadpan. <laughs> yeah. Ah, Russell. Well, look, I'll get the order right next week. Promise I won't do that. And please don't quit on the program. We've been together now for nearly, what, 18 um, years? 18, 20 okay. to round it off, I suppose. Yeah, 20 yeah. years. That's a good partner. That's longer than some marriages last. Yeah, it is. Oh, yeah, <laughs> if you put it that way, you're not getting any alimony out of it if you do break what from is, the program. 
That's right, isn't there? A bit of seven year itch or something they say in marriages, don't they? Uh, yeah, well, we've, we're up. Well, what about 21? That's next year. <laughs> It'd yeah. be a big scratch, wouldn't it? Anyway, enough of the nonsense. Russell's been a pleasure as always. You have a great weekend. You've got no homework. You don't even have to bother trying to find any. But uh, it's most welcome when you come up with new information. All right, we'll look forward to next uh, week talking to you. Yeah. Absolutely. That was Russell Hamby. He's a, he's a good bloke, listeners. <laughs> he takes a joke well. I don't know what he's doing hanging around for so long, but I'd uh, be lost without him. We'll take a short break. Don't go away. <laughs> 